Oh God, joy indeed. Joy because you're on the throne of the universe. Joy because you are the Savior of this world. Joy because as the worship team has reminded us, your love triumphs in this life. So pull all the pieces together in today's teaching. Alert us. Teach us. We pray through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. It was 1024 in the morning. All Saints Day feast. That would be November 1. The cathedral is packed to the gills. And the worshipers are already partway through the long Latin commemoration of the dead. When 200 miles off the coastline, beyond Cape Sente, Mother Earth, deep beneath the ocean, slipped along the Azores-Gibraltar Fault. She slipped. And in that slip, she generates a massive, massive earthquake. Scientists today estimate that it was somewhere between 8.0 and 9.0 magnitude. According to estimates, that quake rocked that city somewhere between 3.5 to 6 minutes long. And when the earth stopped heaving, the cathedral and the churches, like it, also packed on this All Saints Day, have all collapsed. But the tragedy is only compounded when the survivors in Lisbon, Portugal, to their startled amazement, discover that their beloved Tejo River has disappeared. It has simply gone out to sea, leaving behind the hulks of shipwrecks all up and down that river basin, ships still loaded with bounty, booty. And the survivors of Lisbon raise their eyes and thank the gods of heaven for this good fortune. As they hurry down the now muddy banks to the river basin and begin to take that loot, not knowing that 45 minutes away, engendered by that fault, there is a 10-meter, 30-foot wall of water moving, we now know at the speed of a jumbo jet, straight to the port city of Lisbon. It is a compounded tragedy. And over the next three hours, two more tsunamis will strike that city. When the earthquake struck, the All Saints Day candles are all toppled from their purchase, and a fiery inferno sweeps Lisbon, Portugal. Five days later, the, fi- the last fire is put out. When they calculated the losses, 90% of the buildings of Lisbon were destroyed that November 1, 1755. 90% either by the earthquake, the devastating tsunami, or the fiery infernos that followed. 75,000 people in Lisbon perished. Only in Lisbon. That tsunami racked the entire coast of Africa, Morocco, England, Greenland. It marked one of the most deadly earthquakes the world had ever witnessed. Put a picture on the screen for you. No cameras back then. Somebody painted it. You see the tsunami coming in. You see the city collapsing. You see the inferno. One of the most deadly the world had ever witnessed. But of course, for the world, more was yet to come. Much more. Open your Bible with me, please, to the Apocalypse, the Bible's last book. The book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 6. You didn't bring a Bible? Oh boy, pull the pew Bible out in front of you. You've got to see this for yourself. Revelation chapter 6, in the Pew Bible, it will be page 826. 826. I'm in the New King James Version, whatever translation you have. It's fine with me. I'm just glad you have your Bible. 
Don't have your Bible? It's okay. Grab the pew Bible in front of you. Take a look at this. Revelation chapter 6. Let's pick it up in verse 12. And I looked when he opened the sixth seal. What's happening here? This is, the, this is Christ himself. The crucified, risen, ascended Christ. He's pictured as the Lamb in Revelation 5. There is a scroll in his hand and he's ripping off seven seals. He's down now to seal number six. What is, what is it about Jesus and earthquakes? Let's find out. And I looked, and when he had opened the sixth seal, behold, there was a great earthquake. And the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like blood. In verse 13, the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. So I'm reading from the Andrew Study Bible. Many of you have the Andrew Study Bible here. Good for you. So I'm reading from it, and naturally, anytime I want to read, when I read a passage, I want to say, whoa, I wonder if there's anything in the Bible, in the Study Bible, commenting on that. And sure enough, there is a comment. Just in case you don't have the Andrew Study Bible yet, let me put the comment on the screen for you. Written by a friend of mine. I'm not going to tell you who it is. Written by a friend of mine. Spot on. Let me put it on the screen. You can see it. The language here, Revelation 6, which we've just read, the language here recalls the day of the Lord passages in the Old Testament. A list of verses. Similar events in the sun, moon, and stars are described in Matthew 24. Bible scholars associated these harbingers, these signs of the end time, with specific and remarkable events occurring in the 18th and 19th centuries. The Great Lisbon Earthquake in 1755. We know it's November 1. The dark day in 1780, that would be May 19, when the, when the New England sun appeared to turn dark and the moon appeared red. The famous falling of the stars in 1833, that would be November 12 through 13. The Leonid meteor shower estimated 100,000 to 200,000 meteors an hour firing through, the, through uh, space. Unbelievable. Now keep reading. Revelation 6.14 makes clear that even greater catastrophes will occur just before the end, end quote. Now, you got my curiosity. He says, he says, you need to see verse 14. So let's check verse 14 out. How does verse 14 read? Then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. That can't be passed. We haven't seen that one yet. In fact, I want you to read an even more graphic description of the big one, the super big one that will come to this planet just at the end of time. Turn 10 pages, 10 chapters to Revelation 16. Look at this graphic description. Earthquake. Earthquake. Revelation 16, verse 15. No, I'm sorry, verse 17. Revelation 16, verse 17. Then the seventh angel. Okay, these are the seven last plagues. This is plague number seven. This is the, this is the finale. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, it is done. It's over. It's curtains, guys. Not, an, not another moment. We're not waiting another second. The story's over. Finis. It is done. Verse 18, and there were noises and thunderings and lightnings and there was a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were, and women were on the earth. Now the, the great city was divided into three parts and the cities of the nations fell. Obviously a simultaneous earthquake. The whole planet experiences never before have we known of such a natural cataclysm. The cities of the nations fell and great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of wine of the fierceness of his wrath. One more verse, verse 20. Then every island fled away and the mountains were not found. Just obliterated. Holes in the ground. You can't imagine it. The super big one yet to come. So, Dwight, then why talk about this Lisbon uh, earthquake at all? Oh, I'll tell you why. Because as the point was just made by our note in the Andrews Study Bible, for scholars in the 18th and 19th centuries, those super, those, those super events, the Lisbon earthquake, the dark day, the falling of the stars... For them, it was, it was a trumpet blast announcing that we are moving to the prophetic climax of human history. In fact, may I remind you, our community of faith, our global community of faith, was birthed just a few years after the falling of the stars. We, too, were a part of that mighty prophetic movement saying, you know what, time as we know it 
is moving into a final dimension. What was our message back then? The world's going to end. Jesus is coming soon, plain and simple. What's our message today? Has the message changed? Hey, is the world really going to still end, you think? Is Jesus still coming? Earthquake. God's seismic love for our broken planet. Part three today. All ends with Easter next Sabbath. Part four. The final earthquake. Don't miss it. But today, part three. Question, Dwight. Question. Does Mother Nature speak for God? In other words, is God speaking through natural disasters? Answer. Yes. Sometimes. Question. Can you prove it? Answer. Yes. Sometimes. I want you to consider now the words of Jesus. We're going to end with Jesus. We're going to stay right here with Jesus. Go back to the Gospel of Matthew. It's called the Little Apocalypse because it so resembles that one chapter in Matthew resembles Revelation. So go back to, go back to Matthew. Matthew 24. Scholars call it the Little Apocalypse. If you, if you have a red-letter Bible, this ought to be bright red because the whole chapter, Jesus speaking about what it will be like. Let's find out what he's saying. Matthew chapter 24. We'll pick this up. Let's pick it up in uh, verse 3. Matthew chapter 24. Pick it up in verse 3. Page 667 in the Pew Bible. All right, here we go. Now, as Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered, verse 4, and he said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. Deception will be the name of the game. Watch out, he says. Verse 6, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Just because there's a war doesn't mean the world's ending. Verse 7, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And here it comes. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes. In various places. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. Earthquakes. Jesus says that earthquakes will somehow serve as signs in the natural world that the end was coming, that he was returning. So I have to ask you the kind of the, the question that begs to be asked these days. Does it feel to you, okay, does it feel to you like uh, earthquakes are on the up and up, are on the rise. I mean, talking about frequency of earthquakes, talking about magnitude of earthquakes, does, does it feel that way to you? I think to most of us as human beings, it feels that way. But the answer is, it's not that way. Empirical evidence indicates, nope. <laughs> they're, not on a, they're not on a rise. I went to the uh, USGS.gov, United States Geological Survey. It's a great site to go to. They track every earthquake on this planet 24-7. There's a list that they put together, and I want to share the list with you. Uh, I have it right here. So you can pick out what, what years you want to cover. So this, this list covers, covers 1980 through 2010, all right? So it's 30 years. The last 30 years, what's been happening with earthquakes? So you have it 6 to 6.9, 7 to 7.9, they're counting them all, 8 to 8.9, whoa, those are the big ones, and then they total them up the deaths, the death toll every year, and so on. But let's just take, let's just take the big one, 8 to 9.9, .9, all right? Let's say, are they, are they increasing? What's happening? That'll reflect whatever's happening in the others. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read to you, in 1980, there was one big one, okay, in that category, 8 to 9.9. .9. One big one in 1980. Now, I'm not going to give you the years, but I'm going to just read the numbers now. You listen to the numbers. 1, 1980, 0, 0, 0, 0. One zero 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 one zero 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 two two one zero one zero one one zero one two one two four two thousand seven had four big ones back down to zero one one two thousand eleven we know we have one so what's up it's just this wild gyration there is no rhyme or reason they're not on the, they're not on the up they're not on the down they're just continuing. Say, oh, wow. What's the point you're trying to make? Well, here's the point. Today, if you predict an earthquake, if, somebody, if one of you stood up and said, today I'm predicting an earthquake on this planet, you'd be 100% right. That's one way to be a prophet. Only deal with earthquakes and predict them every day. 
you'll get them. Because there's an earthquake every day. Every day. Which is precisely Jesus' point. We left out verse 8. Let's read verse 8. When he's talking about the earthquakes. Then he says in verse 8, All these are the beginning. Do you see that? They're the beginning of sorrows. Not the end. No, 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 no. This is the beginning. You see, some people read Jesus, this little apocalypse... His statement about the signs as meaning that all the graphs are going to go just like this at the end. Every graph goes up like this. Every graph. Jesus is saying, oh, 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 time out, time out. You can't do that. No, 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 no. You're going to have earthquakes. We've had them. You're going to have earthquakes right up to the end. They were the beginning of this long journey to the end. Jesus says, there's no way. No way you're going to take the frequency and the magnitude of earthquakes and somehow turn it into a specific calculation for my return or even an approximate calendar for my return. I will not let you do it. You cannot do it. Now, will there be signs, historical signs in nature itself? Jesus says, yep. Look at this, verse uh, 29, same chapter. Immediately after the tribulation, that's the long, dark, and middle ages when truth went underground in hiding. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened. Oh, we just read this, didn't we? And the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of of the heavens will be shaken. Verse 30. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. The end. Finis. That's it. Yes, there will be signs. But again, he frames the signs in such a way that we're not able because he doesn't want us to be able to calculate some sort of approximate even calendar. No, 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 stay away from that. Will there be earthquakes when he returns? But of course. They've been from the beginning of sorrows. But, and now I'm going to, ask, I'm going to turn the table on you. I'm going to ask the question of you. What's the big deal with Jesus and earthquakes? Why doesn't he say a word about tornadoes? Not a word anywhere about tornadoes. Not a word about hurricanes. Not a word about cyclones or typhoons. Not a word about blizzards. Not a word about this wacky weather that we're living in the United States right now. Can you believe the weather in this country? Who invents this stuff? I mean, every year, every year, you know, in Michigan, we just say every year to you that come and visit us, we just, every year we say, well, this is an unusual year. <laughs> well, this is an unusual year. It's not really like this all the time. Don't believe it. It's wacky. Why didn't Jesus say the weather's going to go wacky just before I come? It probably will, but not a word. All he talks about, earthquakes. What's up with that? Take out your study guide. I want to share with you four logical reasons why earthquakes are a big deal in God's earth language. Take out your study guide. I'll give you four of them. Four logical. I think you'll agree they're logical. Four logical reasons. You didn't get a study guide? Ushers, let's go. Thank you. Any ushers here to hand out study guides? Here they come. Hold your hand up if you didn't get a study guide. Hold your hand up. Up in the balcony, you didn't get a study guide. Hold your hand up. We want everybody to... Did you guys get study guides up here? You go, guys. Automatic A in this class. Alan Mitchell, automatic A. They have study guides. Good for you. Proud of you. Okay, let's go. So, oh, those of you who are watching on television, we're delighted to have you. Glad you're tuning in. Go to our website. Let me put it on the screen for you. You can go to the website and get the same study guide. You see it on your screen right now. Our website, www.pmchurch.com. TV. That's our website. You're looking for the little mini-series, Earthquake, God's Seismic Love for Our Broken Planet. And oh my, does He love this planet. But you're looking for part three. This is part three. You're looking for part three. By the way, if you missed part two and part one, they're all sitting there right now for you. You can get the video cast, podcast, whatever you want. But you're looking for part three. Next week, part four, and then the series over. But look for the word study guide. Click on that. You'll have the same study guide we do. All right? Those of you watching live streaming, by the way, we're glad to have you all over the planet. Wherever you're living right now, we're glad to have you. Get your little laptop right beside us, right beside the... Well, you're already on your laptop, aren't you? Okay. Well, just uh, go ahead and do what I just said. (laughs) You'll you'll find the study guide. We're glad to have you. Glad to have all our live streaming friends. Okay, so why earthquakes? Let's jot them down. Four logical reasons why... God speaks earthquake language when he talks to the human race. Number one, would you jot this down, please? We'll put it on the screen. Earthquakes are nature's most potent example of life's unpredictability. Life's unpredictability. You have to watch that to spell it. So it's okay to look at the screen to spell it. Unpredictability. That's what earthquakes, that's what earthquakes are. I mean, come on, let's just think logically. Look, look. Isn't this true? You can predict a hurricane... To a degree. I mean, don't we have radars now? We have these big Doppler radars. Everything's reading everything. 
You can t- the, the, the weatherman will get up tonight in Michiana, perhaps, and he'll say, you know, I'm looking at the cold front. I'm looking at this, this, this uh, low pressure, high pressure. These, these are going to hit right here. And, oh, boy, they're going to hit about 2 o'clock this morning right over Michiana, and you're going to have a humdinger of a thunderstorm. How do you know that, Mr. Weatherman? Because I'm watching the movement of the fronts. You can predict, predict hurricanes, even tornadoes. Whoa, we got tornado weather here. Look out, Oklahoma. And they just got hit yesterday big time bad. You can do that. But with an earthquake, what's the physical sign that lets you know an earthquake's coming? Nothing. The only thing you know is that it's here. There is no warning. Ah, the numinous fear factor that goes with earthquakes. My mother lives in Southern California. My brother lives in uh, San Francisco. I'm telling you what, everybody out there is talking about the big one, the big one. My brother and I, of course, born in Japan. We were talking about the Japanese earthquake, and we were on the phone. He said, by the way, Dwight, you know what they're saying about San Francisco? They're saying that by 2030, all right, 2030, there's a 70% chance that the big one will strike. I mean, everybody's thinking it out there. That's the thing about earthquakes, this numinous fear. I don't know when it's going to happen. Ah, the unpredictability of earthquakes. That, God says, that, God says, is precisely my point. It's going to happen. Boom, like that. The end. You will not know. No warning. It'll just come. In fact, that's the point he's making right here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 2. Paul's making the point, just like Jesus, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. Boom. It's here. The utter unpredictability. That's what happened in Lisbon. That's what happened in Port-au-Prince. That's what happened in Christchurch. That's what happened in Sendai, Japan. That's what happens. Okay, logical reason number two. Not only are earthquakes the most potent example of life's unpredictability, they are also nature's most powerful example of humanity's impotency. No power in the human race. I'm amazed, aren't you, with these... uh, The aftershocks are still going on in Japan, so they're still posting these on on YouTube. These people, I don't know where they get the guts to do this, but here's this guy in an office complex. He's on the 10th floor of this swaying high-rise, and he's got his iPhone up, and he's he's shooting the whole thing. Stuff's coming down from the walls. The the furniture is crashing, and he's just taking a picture. I'm thinking, why don't you get out of there? (laughs) Everybody wants to be on YouTube. But how, can you imagine being on that 10th floor and going over to the wall and put your hand on the wall? Hey, stop, wall, stop. You can't stop an earthquake. I mean, it's like, it's like Jeanette Rankin put it, you can no more win a war than you can win an earthquake. You can't win an earthquake. It always wins. The utter impotency of our human power in the face of the onslaught of Mother Nature. All right, that's number two. Here's logical reason number three. You see, earthquakes... They, they speak to us. We understand what they represent. God says, that's the language I'm using for you. Earthquake. You understand it. Number three, earthquakes are nature's most profound example of God's omnipotency. See, it, our impotency, no power. God's omnipotency, all power. He's got all the power. Yo, he does. He does. An earthquake's seismic heaving portrays unbridled, unstoppable power. And now I'm going to show you a video clip that a meteorologist in Chicago posted on his website. Somebody sent it to me. I sent it to my brother and sister, all all of us born in the same hospital in Tokyo. I said, guys, doesn't this just break your heart? I'm going to show this to you. You probably haven't seen this one. I'm just going to show a few minutes. It'll be sound, but most will be me talking. The sound is just the sound of the water. You're going to see now the river, the harbor, burst the bounds and go over the wharf. To the city. Watch this. Put it on the screen for you. Okay, here we go. So, okay, so that, that harbor now has risen so high, the breakwater there, zero, not a nothing, no good. It's just going. Watch the cars come. Now, they just go right over. You hear a siren in the background warning, get out of the city. This guy's still on the roof. Now, watch that water. Watch that building up in the corner there. Watch the parking lot in front of you. That water is a massive force. It cannot be stopped. You can't blow a whistle at it. You can't pull a wall in front of it. It just slowly keeps going. Watch what looks like the wall there disappear. Eventually, that wall will be gone. Look at, look at it. It's just slowly now going through the parking lot. You say, well, that's nothing. That's just a foot tall. Oh, watch the power of one foot of water. 
when it's been engendered by an earthquake. Look at that little parking lot now. Look at the water rising. The voice in Japanese is saying, warning, warning. And this guy keeps shooting the pictures. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. It's just gone. Where, where was the wall that was keeping this out? It's not there. Keep your eye on the building up there, the warehouse. Watch that warehouse. But what amazed me was how, how slow but how fast and powerful that wall of water is. Now look at this, guys. Look at it. It's going to take this building that was across the street. It's just going to take it out. I'm sorry you're here. We're going to go now. The, and look at the city. Slowly watch the city in the background. That water now is moving into the entire city. In 30 seconds, you will see that city now awash. One by one, the houses just lifted off. Unbelievable. Watch as, it, as he pans back out. At one point, they call out in Japanese, there's a person out there, and I tried to see what he was looking at. Look at that. That building is going to go. Now look at the churning. Look at the churning of that water. That's unbelievable. It's slow, but it's all gone. Every, look at the building that you were watching. It's gone. It's now floating towards us. The force of the ocean, unbridled and unstoppable, just quietly, slowly, until the entire city. One more pan back at the city. Look at that raging water now. You can't believe it. This is in less than two minutes. This is real time. You're watching this. There goes that building. There it goes. It's going to go, and eventually it will be swept into that little channel. Unbelievable. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the point. An earthquake powerfully illustrates. Look at the disgorging of, the, of that warehouse now. Everything's gone. Let's just turn it off right there. I mean, we can't take that. That's five minutes long. You can find it someday. Isn't that amazing? But that's the point, the logical point three. What, 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 what is number three? Earthquakes are nature's most profound example of God's omnipotency. There's nothing that can stop. You just, there is no human solution to a tsunami. You want to build a wall? We saw what happened to the wall. No wonder the prophets in the Old Testament in particular, when they describe God approaching the earth, they use earthquake language. Go to Nahum chapter 1. Look at this. The Lord is slow to anger, but great in power. Omnipotent. Oh, boy. The Lord will not leave the guilty unpunished. His way is in the whirlwind and the storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. He rebukes the sea. Sea, move. And the sea moves, and it dries up. He makes all the rivers run dry. Bashan, Carmel, Wither, the blossoms of Lebanon fade. Now watch this. As he approaches, the mountains quake before him and the hills melt away. The earth trembles at his presence, the world and all who live in it. God says, I can speak your language. You understand earthquakes. I understand earthquakes. I don't cause them. But I understand they make an impression on your mind as no other natural phenomenon. And I'm going to speak to you in earthquake language. Ah, finally, logical reason number four. This one makes sense all the more now for me. Earthquakes are nature's most provocative motivation for our urgent mission. God says, I want to speak earthquake to you because you will understand we're dealing with time this way. Sudden and end. I speak earthquake to you. Comprehende? Oh, we comprehend. We comprehend. It's no accident here in Matthew 24 that the only sure sign given of the return of Jesus, not earthquakes, not any natural phenomenon. Look at this. I'll read it for you. Let's read it again. Verse 7. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. But Jesus says, hey, all these are the beginning of sorrows. This is just the beginning. This is just the beginning. Ah, now notice verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then, this is the only time in the little apocalypse where he will link the end to a specific act. And then the end will come. This is the only time he uses those words, the end will come. And then the end will come. After the earthquakes? No. After the pestilence? No. After the wars? No. After what? After the gospel goes to all the world. And then... That's the one identifiable sign. And then the end will come. Would you jot it down, please? Earthquakes. Earthquakes are the beginning of the countdown, but only the gospel into all the world is the ending. The only sign Jesus gives of the end is the gospel going into all the world. Of course, much is going to be transpiring on this planet. Earthquakes, 
Wars, rumors, pestilences, you name it. It's happening. Social, societal decay. Yep, all of the above. But keep writing. Jesus' only sign to mark the end of the world is the gospel into all the world. That's the point of today's teaching. The only sign to mark the end of the world is the gospel into all the world. That's it. Right there. Now, why all this fuss, Dwight, about earthquakes? I mean, what's, what, what's the big deal? I'll tell you the big deal. Could it be that God allows earthquakes? I prefer that language. That God allows earthquakes to shake us up, to wake us up and realize, whoa, this is an urgent hour in my life, in the life of this planet. We got a, a, a soft water man. I love him. His name is Jerry Nelson. No relation. So Jerry brings by a, a, a water. He, he changes the tank once a month. He always comes on a Thursday. He always comes on a Thursday afternoon. And every Thursday afternoon, I'm writing another sermon. So I'm always there. But, you know, I can't hear the doorbell. We got this. We went and bought a new doorbell. It's worse than the first one. I can't hear it. We're in my study. I just can't hear it. So you ring the doorbell. Bum, 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 and dun, dun. So Jerry, he knows, you know, Dwight's going to be around somewhere. So what does Jerry do? When he quits ringing the doorbell, he gets up to the door, and he goes like this. Well, you know, that'll get your attention. When you finally hear, you know somebody is at the door. That pounding is to say, yo, I'm here. I'm here. Open the door, please. Could it be that earthquakes in particular are God's Yo, awfully noisy down there. You're having a lot of fun, aren't you? Woo, I'm here. You forgot? This isn't a party nonstop. You're not going to live forever. You're running out of time, Earth. I'm at the door. Boom, 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 boom. Anybody hear me? That's what an earthquake does. Like no other act or event on this planet, it's a boom, 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 boom on the door, and everybody, atheist, believer alike, everybody sits up and says, what's up with that? That's why they come. Look at this. Found this in Desire of Ages. Confirms the point. Desire of Ages. Put it on the screen for you. You have to fill it in. Because we know not the exact time of His coming, we are commanded to watch. With vigilant watching, we combine earnest working because we know that the Lord is, write it down, at the door. Boom, 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 boom. That's what earthquakes do. I'm at the door. Boom, 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 boom. Anybody in there? Anybody awake? Anybody alive? Boom, 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 boom. Now notice the point. Because we know that the Lord is at the door. Now, what's supposed to happen? Here it is. Our zeal is quickened to cooperate with the divine intelligences, read angels, in working for the salvation of souls, end quote. Isn't that something? Boom, 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 boom. Anybody in there? I'm here. I'm coming. Wow. Jesus didn't give us the little apocalypse and the big apocalypse so that we can somehow come up with a chart that says, oh, this is how much time until Jesus comes. No. He said, I'm not interested in that. But I will, use, I will speak your earth language and use earthquakes. Allow earthquakes to be a pounding, a pounding at the door. And why the pounding at the door for those of us who believe? and have accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. Why the pounding at the door for us? Hey, guys, whoa, whoa, whoa. We got to go, we got to go. Do what you're supposed to be doing. Do it, do it. Help me, help me, help me. That's why there's pounding at the door. Why? Because the gospel into all the world. It will only end with verse 14. Gospel into all the world. You say, oh, Dwight, we can't do a gospel into all the world. <laughs> Look, at, when, Jesus says, when, when Jesus says, follow me into all the world, guess who's going to do it anyway? He's going he's to finish his own work. Don't be worried about that. But you and I have a part in it. Because if we don't have a part in his work, what's the point of living in his house? We don't have his heart. We have to share his heart. He says, come on. Boom, 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 boom. I am coming soon. 
That's why, by the way, for the last three weeks, in your worship bulletin has been this card right here. See this card? Would you pull it out, please? For the last three weeks, this card, big, fancy color. Ashley Peterson, you met just a moment ago, she designed this card for us. It has our, it has our vision statement for this university congregation on the front of the card. It has a vision statement. Can you see it there? Transforming this generation. Transforming this generation to serve Christ in the local Seventh-day Adventist church and in the world. Transforming this generation. You say, hey, what's the big deal about that? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Turn the card over. Glad you asked. What's the big idea? That's what the card says in the back. What's the big idea? Let's find out. Here's what's at stake. Tell me if this is true. Students come to Andrews University either saved or unsaved. True or false? It's got to be true. There's no third category. You're either saved or you're not. Jesus is your forever friend or he's not. There's no in-between. Students come to this university either saved or unsaved. But how many of them leave this university the same way? Unsaved or saved but with no commitment or training to serve Christ in the church or in the world where they're headed? There's only one congregation on earth that God has asked to respond to that reality. And guess what? It's not the village church down the street. We're the only one on earth that he'll ask at the end of time, hey, yo, you guys were there at uh, Andrews. How did it go? What'd you do for them? We're the only congregation on earth. Keep reading. Wouldn't it be the height of missed opportunity for Pioneer not to seek to reach the unsaved, not to engage and equip the saved for the kingdom and mission of Christ? Here's what's at stake. Here's what we can do. Watch this. Keep reading. Next column. Discover avenues to connect with and engage unsaved students on campus in order to present to them Christ's invitation to come to Him as Savior and Lord. And then the other strategy, recruit committed or partially committed students to become active in the local church by mentoring them in all of our pioneer ministries and training them through an enriching curriculum of classes and seminars that we offer. Yeah, but Dwight, come on, why do we have to do this now? Ah, keep reading. We cannot afford to wait another day. Our civilization is headed toward collapse and Jesus is coming soon. That's why. Psalm 110, verse 3 in Education, page 271, make it clear. Do you know this? That God's end time strategy is to raise up an army of young to serve the Messiah in his end game on earth. Amazing prophecy. Psalm 110. So, we have 3,500 university students plus 600 academy, high school, elementary students that God has entrusted to us. We owe them the opportunity to engage with Christ in the urgent mission of His kingdom. And so on March 5, we had a Sabbath afternoon meeting, celebration of synergy. Would you like to see the report of that meeting? If you have a smartphone, now this is so cool, you won't even know what I'm talking about. But if you have a smartphone and it has the app Did you know this? Thanks to our media ministry, who's just 30 years old, so he knows all these cool things. Nick Wolfer. Thanks to Nick Wolfer. You see this little squiggly box right here? See this little squiggly box? Guess what? That's a barcode. You get your smartphone out if you have the app. Take a picture of that, and your phone immediately will be be taken to the website where you can read an entire report of that celebration of synergy. Is that cool or what? You really feel that way? Oh, good. All right. Now, if you, don't, if you don't have an app and you don't have a smartphone, here's the website. Go to that website, PM Church. PM Church, put it on the screen, please. PMChurch.org slash synergy. You guys are all ahead of this. You knew what that little thing was. Ladies and gentlemen, here's the point. We're living where we are. Hey, Dwight, why'd you have that Radicals series this last winter? Why'd you have that series that's calling everybody to become missionaries? Because we're living where we are. Why did 283 people come forward that day and say, I will, I will go as a missionary? Because we're living where we are. Boom, 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 boom. We're hearing it. We've got to go to the whole world. The gospel to the whole world. Why are you doing this little series on God's seismic love in our broken world? Because we're living when we are. Hey, guys, ladies and gentlemen, we're living where we are. We didn't pick to be born now. God picked us to be born now. He needs you and me to take his seismic love to all the world. For God so loved the world that he gave... Say it out loud with me, will you? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We've got to take his seismic love to the world. I watched the Japanese praying over the remains that were found in that just, just that, that, that devastation. You know, they're brilliant. They're, they're, they're Westerners in their education and in their thinking. 
And they bowed with that Shinto priest. They bowed as he called on the spirits of the deceased. And I'm thinking, seismic love. It needs to go to Japan now. Not just the superstitious East, by the way, the secular West. The secular West. Just as lost without God's seismic love. We got to go. So here's the question. How many more earthquakes will it take to shake us up? To wake us up? How many more will it take? I mean, God speaks our language. You say, oh, Dwight, you know what I'm doing? I'm waiting for the big one. When the big one comes, I'm really going to get it together. My friend, when the big one comes, too late. Forget waiting for the big one. Jesus says in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, let her open the door, let him open the door. I will come in and I'll dine with you. And we begin a friendship that will never, ever end. You hear me knocking at the door? I want you to let me in. World, let me in. I'm offering you a forever friendship. My love will get you out of this devastation. Come to me. Open the door, will you? I'm at the door. Let us pray. Oh, God, you are at the door. We are at your feet right now in worship. What does that mean? Holy Father, grant us the courage to respond in the name of Jesus, to respond to your appeal. We got to go. Some of us are getting ready to graduate in just a few days. Still not sure just what the next step will be, but we got to go. We don't have to go over the ocean to go. We can cross the street to go, but dear God, we must go. Every pounding at the door, hey, you know what time it is? Let's go. We want to go for you. And so, dear God, please, grant to us the courage to go. While your head is still bowed in prayer, I was going to put an amen there, but I just can't. Your head's still bowed in prayer. I want to make this, I want to make an invitation. Look at this is the next to the last Sabbath, and we'll all go. But while you're still praying, I need to make an invitation. If there's somebody here who who didn't come forward in the appeal that was made, you know, this winter sometime, to offer your life in service to God, to say, God, you can take me, use me, lead me, I'm willing to go wherever you want. If it's not overseas, I'll go somewhere here. But right now, it just seems the right moment in your heart to, to affirm that to yourself and to the Lord Jesus. And so I'd like to ask you, if you'd be willing to crawl out of that pew and come here to the front as we conclude this service, Is there anybody here who has not, you didn't respond this winter, but your heart is saying, I, I want to go. Hey, listen, I'll put you in touch. We'll put you in touch with the right people. Nobody's going anywhere tomorrow, but, but I just can't put the amen on without at least giving the invitation. Is there anybody here up in the balcony, in the back? Anybody? Say, I'd be willing to give my life for Jesus. Work out the details. Be a student missionary, I'll be one. Serve you, I will serve you. I don't know the answers, I don't know the details, but I'd like to make that commitment. Is there anybody here that needs to make that decision? It's just something in your heart. I don't know, there's no music playing, and so it's kind of catching you and me by surprise, but I want to give the opportunity. God bless you. God bless you. Yeah, this is it. If you're hearing this, in your heart, and you're saying, you know, I just, I just need to do this, so do it. It's, you're not coming to me. It's, it's just another opportunity. I'll put you in touch with the chaplains. We'll, we'll figure out what, what would work best for you. Is there anybody else to join these who come? You may not be a young adult like them. You might be 
further along in life, it doesn't matter, but somebody is saying, you know, come on, I just want to I I take a stand. I just need to do this. And so, Jesus, would you, would you take my life right now? Use me, Jesus, please. I'll go for you. I don't know where. I have no idea what you have as an idea, but I'm available. I'll go for you. Just, just get right up. You're going to step on toes. Don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. Just come. Yeah, from the balcony. Good on you. Come on down here. You didn't come forward. Now, if you came forward a few weeks ago, don't come forward now. We're proud of you for the decision you made. Very happy for you. But you didn't come forward then. You might not have even been in church then. I don't know. But this is the next to the last Sabbath of the school year. So why not make a decision? Just kind of caught you by surprise. That's the way the Holy Spirit is. Come on forward. Anybody else? I'm going to make one more invitation. And that is, if you hear a knocking at your heart door, the Revelation 3.21, I'm at the door and I'd like to come into your life and become your Lord and your friend and your Savior. And you've not given your life to Jesus. Here's the deal. You've not given your life to Jesus. But you'd like to. You say, hey, Jesus, right now. I don't know all that's involved in this, but I just would like to respond and get on your page for the next chapter in my life. If you'd like to make that decision, I still continue to appeal to those who might be hearing a call to service. Would you come forward with them? We won't know which decision it is, but just come forward. Say, Jesus, I want to start over. Oh, no, Jesus, we've already been friends, but I want to do something for you. I want to, I want to, I want to be on your team. I'll go for you. I don't know where. I'll go. You tell me. Are you coming to Jesus and saying, Jesus, this is the first time coming. I'd like to just, you and me, make this public and private at the same time. I'd like to come, Jesus, right now. Behold, you stand at the door. Is that you knocking, Jesus? Was that you knocking? Wow. I'd like to come. God bless you. Any others? Now, I'm going to need Chaplain Karen to help me out here because I'm proud of you who've come forward. Very proud, proud of you. Happy for you. And Chaplain Karen, we, we, we did a huddle with uh, these. We'll get a little card. Sherry's got a card that we used. Mike, Sherry's got a card that we used on her desk that we used on this uh, Missionary Appeal Sabbath. Sorry we didn't come prepared for this, but that's what we do. And then Chaplain Karen, if you could just meet for a moment with these as our chaplain for outreach. And while, while we're scrambling kind of in front of you here, I want to end our prayer in just a moment, but there's a great song, and I want us to sing it. We're just stand to your feet. We're not going to take a long introduction on this one. We're just going to start singing it. Lift up the trumpets and loud, lift up the trumpet and loud let it ring. I grew up with the song as a kid. Just grew up with the song. You've heard the song maybe all your life. Even as a young adult, you've heard people sing this. We're going to sing this. Just give us that opening chord or put the words on the screen right now, please. And we're going to go. Put the first stanza on the screen, please. There we go. Lift up the trumpet and loud let it ring. Jesus is coming.
Holy Father, we hear the knocking at the door. The whole human race hears the knocking. But we understand that knocking. The King is soon to return to this outpost in His universe. He's coming to save as many of the human race as is humanly and divinely possible. But before I come, he says, the good news of my seismic love must go to the whole world. I need a generation. I need you. Please, I'll do the work. You do the going. And we'll get it done together. And so, Holy Father, we praise you for these who've responded beyond those who came a few weeks ago. Take these decisions. Seal them in the same way. Lock that determination to serve the King of Kings until He returns and bless Him, bless her in a supernatural way for making this commitment. For those who come forward and said, I want to start a new chapter with Jesus. I hear Him knocking at my heart's door. I want Him in. I want to be a friend of His. I want to grow His friendship. Come in, Lord Jesus. Take this quiet decision and work it, Jesus. Work it for Your glory. And all of us, we stand. We all would go across the street, across the seas, wherever You send us. Oh God, lift up the trumpet, loud let it ring. Jesus is coming again. And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let him who hears say, Come. And let her who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. And he who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen.